0: Hello, friends. Welcome to the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Dimmitt. I'm still getting over a head cold, so if I sound different, it is because my face is still stuffed up a little bit, but I'm feeling a lot better, and I tested negative for COVID, so that's the good news. A couple items of housekeeping before we get into today's episode. I put out a new follow-up conversation last week with Natasha Barnes. If you haven't heard the teaser yet, I highly recommend checking it out. We ended up having a really great conversation that was about two hours long and was basically a full-length episode answering listener questions. We covered a lot of topics, many of the topics that Natasha is uniquely qualified to talk about, including rehabbing injuries and how to reintegrate climbing after an injury. We talked about how she would work with a client who was coming to her with lower back pain. We talked about how our training and protein needs change as we age. We talked about the role of biomechanics and maintaining perfect form when lifting and why that might not be as important as many of us have been led to believe and why we should instead focus on tissue capacity and how to think about that. We had a really interesting conversation about system training and training something that Natasha calls the position, which she describes in great length in the interview and which we were able to share some resources for if you're interested in trying it and incorporating some system training in your routine. This was something different and new that I had never heard about before And it is something I'm excited to work on during my next training block over the summer when I have access to some indoor facilities again. So all of that and more in our follow-up conversation, there's a 30-minute teaser, which you can find in your episode feed so you can get a feel for it. And it's $5 per month to become a patron and get access to the full episode and to all of the other follow-ups that I've published so far. There are a dozen so far, and you can find teasers for all of them on the website. And there's a lot of great information in the full versions of all of those. I've really enjoyed and gotten a lot out of those follow ups. So, if you're a fan of the podcast and have been listening for a while, please consider signing up. It's very easy to do, and there are no long term obligations. You can cancel at any time. And it really helps. It's only $5 per month. Hopefully that feels inconsequential if you're someone who listens to podcasts on your commute to work or during breaks in your workday, but it is also enough that it actually adds up really fast for me. Every dollar truly helps here, and if you've been on the fence because it doesn't feel like $5 will make a difference or it doesn't feel worth the hassle, I encourage you to sign up. It only takes a few minutes, and it truly does help. And you can get access to a lot of great content and some behind-the-scenes sort of stuff in those conversations as well. There's a link to Patreon right there in your podcast app. You can also find the Support the Podcast page on the website at thenuggetclimbing.com. And I hope you sign up. I really feel the difference with every new patron, and I really appreciate all of the support so far. Okay. My guest today is Megan Mascarenas. Megan jumped into the competition spotlight as a teenager. She's won multiple bouldering world cups and was also the open bouldering national champion in 2016. And she's been pretty quiet since then. So this was a really interesting interview. She retired from competing in 2017 and took a break from climbing for a while and has largely been focused on other things in the past few years. And now she has come back to climbing and is rediscovering her love for it and balances that with several other interests that have come into her life in the past few years. So it was really fun to catch up with her and to hear what she's been up to. Megan has a rather quiet and introspective and analytical personality. I suspect she's like me in that she generally prefers listening and being the one asking the questions. So I really appreciate her for doing this. I took a slightly different approach with this conversation and asked a lot of really fun questions. We, of course, talked about some of the realness. I was curious to hear what led to her decision to retire at the height of her power, as it were, and to hear what it was like to lose that part of her identity and what it was like to rediscover herself and find new interests outside of climbing to fill some of that space that was left behind. So that was really interesting to dig into. We also covered some fun topics. We talked about her fascination with solving puzzles and how that relates to bouldering. We talked about pole dancing and how that has come into her life. Megan shared her favorite pun, which actually made me laugh, and I don't normally... Think puns are funny, and we talked about favorite music and movies, what she is most excited to be learning about right now, and a lot more. So, I really enjoyed this conversation, and I think you will too. If you don't already, be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at the Nugget Climbing, where I will be sharing some of the photos. And videos and other things that we talk about in this conversation I also plan to start showing my face a little more over there So again, at The Nugget Climbing on Instagram And as always, I will share all of the relevant links for this episode In the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com Thanks for tuning in today, as always And please enjoy this conversation with Megan Mascarenas
1: Cause, cause, no one can do it like we
2: do
0: it, like we do it, like we do it Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it,
2: like we do it Hey Hi Good morning
0: Good morning, Megan, how are you?
2: I'm good, how are you?
0: I'm doing well um, I'm all ready to go. I'm recording on my end. Are you ready? Yes. Perfect. Hi, Megan. Welcome to the show.
2: Hi. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's my pleasure. I've been really excited to talk to you, and I have probably more questions than we can possibly get to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a mix of all sorts of stuff, and I think it'll be really fun. Um, I thought we could start with a couple themes that come up on the show all the time and those are dogs and breakfast. Uh for people that have listened to this, I often do a sound check and ask people what they've had for breakfast and I never intend to leave it in but then it always seems to be interesting. And so a lot of uh, a lot of my guests have talked about their breakfast and then I also seem to have had a lot of conversations about people's dogs. But with you, I was looking at your Instagram, and I noticed that of just a handful of your Instagram story highlights, you have an entire story highlight dedicated to your dog, Whiskey, and then another one entirely devoted to coffee. And uh it seems that you are a big lover of uh of both of those things. So I would love to ask how your morning has been? Have you already had breakfast and coffee?
2: Uh I have. I'm still drinking coffee. Uh for breakfast I had a tuna sandwich with some sliced apple in it.
0: Oh, that is that is incredibly interesting. A tuna sandwich for breakfast. Yeah. And sliced um, apple. Okay. Any, uh, w- what would be like the seasonings on that? What is the, is it a savory thing?
2: Yes. Just some mustard and pepper and onion.
0: Okay. And then how do you make your coffee?
2: Um, I heat up a pot of water, put it in my grounds once it's boiling and then pour it through a filter into my cup.
0: Okay. Like a pour over. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still, are you a one cup a day person? It sounds like you're still working on a cup.
2: Nope. This is cup three.
0: Cup three. <laughs> nice. Nice. I'm a huge coffee lover as well. And then I would love to ask you about your new puppy. Can you tell me about whiskey?
2: Yeah. So I adopted my dog a couple months ago. They told me she was like a Dutch Shepherd black mouth cur mix. And I was like, oh, perfect. But I got to do the test She's a pitbull cane Corso mix, okay, <laughs> very different.
0: <laughs> what has that meant for you uh behaviorally or otherwise? any curveballs there?
2: Nope, nothing crazy okay hard working and playful, very strong
0: mm. she is super cute as well. I was just looking at your story and i'll uh, if I can, I'll share some photos for people on Instagram or in the show notes but yeah she's she's a beautiful dog. How old is she?
2: She just turned one.
0: Okay. Do you have any favorite games or things to do with whiskey?
2: Um, her favorite thing in this world is ice. Ice. So (laughs) we play with ice cubes a lot and like freeze a giant bucket of water. Okay. Let her eat the whole thing.
0: She just eats it?
2: Yeah. (laughs) Like an ice sculptor or something.
0: That's so funny. Amazing. What else have you been up to this morning? What does a typical Sunday morning look like for Megan Mascarenas?
2: Um, pretty chill. Slept in, made coffee, worked on some homework with a uh, some of my fellow students. Okay. And then sat out in the sun since it's been super nice lately. Mm. That's about it.
0: Third cup of coffee in the sun. That sounds pretty darn good. Yes, I want to circle back to your schooling And studying chemistry and all that But first, another thing that I really would love to ask you about Is Rubik's Cubes And in other interviews and some short videos I've seen with you There's this theme of your level of focus It seems like you're able to give 100% of your attention To whatever task is in front of you And it seems that you love to solve puzzles. And I've seen many clips of you with a Rubik's Cube. And of course, there's a lot of obvious parallels to climbing and especially bouldering and competition bouldering with that. And I'm sure there's parallels to studying chemistry as well. But I'd love to hear about Rubik's Cubes. Why is it important for you to solve Rubik's Cubes? Like, what is it that you get out of that?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think, well, I enjoy puzzles, like, more than anything in this world. (laughs) I like the amount of strategy and thought it takes to get from, like, I'm here. I want to get to this point. Like, what steps do I have to do? And, like, trying to plan it out and visualize, like, what's going to happen throughout the process. And I feel like that connects a lot to bouldering. Like, the start holds marked. The end holds marked. Like, all right, figure it out. (laughs) So... I don't know, I like that level of trying to imagine what path I'm going to take, I guess.
0: How often do you play with a, is it, I don't even know if play is the right vernacular there, but how often do you use a Rubik's Cube?
2: I haven't done it too much lately, but yesterday I had a friend who was like, I wonder if it's possible to like do a bat hang and solve a Rubik's Cube before like <laughs> we fall off. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. So How'd it go? yesterday we were messing around with the Rubik's Cube and bat hangs, but I'm gonna have to get faster or stronger.
0: <laughs> stronger shins. Oh yeah. <laughs> or Fastix Rubik's Cube's abilities. Have you ever played I've I've seen I had a roommate in college actually who was super into it and he had, you know, he had mastered the three-sided Rubik's Cube. Or I'm I'm sorry, the the three by three and then I think he had a four by four and a five by five and maybe a weird shaped one. Have you explored any of those other variations of Rubik's Cubes?
2: Uh yeah. I have um kind of proud of my collection of like six or so
0: oh, cubes my gosh. of different sizes. <laughs> Tell me. Yeah, give me the give me the quiver. What do you got? Three by
2: three, four by four, five by five, seven by seven, and a two by two. Seven. And then some odd seven? shaped ones. What? Yeah.
0: <laughs> How does that work? Are they just more difficult as they get bigger?
2: Uh no. All um odd numbered cubes are basically the same after five by five. Like hmm. you just use all the same algorithms. They just take longer.
0: Okay. And then what about the even ones?
2: Uh the even ones are hard. I haven't quite figured them out yet.
0: Interesting. Even yeah. the even the two by two?
2: Well, that one I can do, the four by four is kind of just trial and error Okay. for me.
0: <laughs> and I imagine there's all sorts of beta online these days. I'm sure you could, you know, just watch a YouTube video and figure out the strategy or algorithms. Maybe, maybe I'm totally wrong, but how do you think about that? Do you enjoy trying to figure them out on your own or are you looking at people online to learn from about these things? How do you think about that?
2: I had a friend of mine teach me like the basics, like just how to solve a three by three one way. And then after that, I kind of just spent time trying to figure out more shortcuts or ways to like not do all the same steps that get you to the end, like speed it up, I guess. Mm. And I enjoy that. You're trying to figure out patterns to make, which is also fun.
0: Are there any other hobbies or things like the Rubik's Cube that you use on a frequent basis? Any other favorite puzzles or anything?
2: Um, nothing crazy. I have a puzzle sprawled out on my floor right now, like a jigsaw puzzle. Okay. That's about it.
0: <laughs> what is it a picture of?
2: Just a cloud. A cloud? It's very difficult. <laughs>
0: yeah, that yeah. sounds incredibly difficult. <laughs> a lot of swirling white and, and gray and blue, I imagine. Yes. Yeah. How's it going?
2: too
0: bad (laughs) with all these different practices with rubik's cubes and solving boulder problems and puzzles you know comes back to this focus that you have i'm curious is it a practice of focus or a practice in focus or is it that you can't help but have this kind of intense or singular focus and you need different outlets for this internal focus that you have
2: for me, it started out as a way to build up my focus. Like I wanted to get better at memorization, visualization, and problem solving. But like after years and years of doing it, it kind of became like almost an addiction. Mm. That like I was like, I need to do this. I enjoy this. It kind of became who I was hmm. and am.
0: And... I'd love to hear when climbing came into that part of your personality. Did you think of yourself as a problem solver and someone who liked puzzles before climbing, or do you think that grew out of climbing? Yeah, I'd love to hear how you think about that.
2: Oh, yeah, I definitely think my love of puzzles kind of grew with climbing. Growing up at the gym, like being there at two, just running around, playing with the rocks that used to be. And I would have friends, like, try to challenge me. They'd be like, oh, I hit a rock in a hole somewhere on this wall. Like, go find it. (laughs) So, like, that would take some problem-solving and strategy. And, like, I kind of, that was my favorite game. So, (laughs) kind of started to grow with that.
0: How did you end up in the climbing gym as a two-year-old? Your family must all be into climbing.
2: Yeah, my stepdad. Um, he was a climber before he met my mother. And when they got married, we would uh, just go to the gym as a family and hang out there like maybe four, to, four nights a week or so.
0: <laughs> and do you remember when, when you fell in love with climbing for yourself? I mean, w- was there a, a clear transition point or was it just something that was the obvious thing that was always there that you enjoyed? Yeah. Do you remember what that felt like to grow up with climbing?
2: I don't know. It's so early in my memory. Like it was always a part of who I was until like I started competing around 11. And then I was like, Oh, like, all right. I like this. This is great. Like I'm going to start trying hard and focusing rather than just like going to the gym to hang out, I guess. Hmm.
0: One thing that you and I talked about in our last conversation was your family, you know, your your siblings. I think you're the youngest of four. Is that right? Yes. You have three older siblings all four years apart. And are all of them climbers as well? Remind me.
2: Uh, my older, like the one who's right above me. She's a climber.
0: Okay. Um, That's Alexis. The
2: oldest, yes. <laughs> my oldest sister, she climbs too, but she's mostly into running. And then my brother used to climb a bunch, but now he's also a runner.
0: I'd love to circle back to the support system and your relationship with your family. It's, it sounds like you guys are all really close. And do you still live at home with them? I do. Okay. In Colorado Springs? Yes. And I'd love to hear what what is your relationship with your siblings like these days? I know that, you know, growing up, I've got two older sisters as well. And it's just so interesting to think back on all these different different chapters of life. And it's been really fun to, you know, I'm 31 now. It's been really fun to be an adult and to kind of relearn who they are and become friends with them in a different way than I remember when I grew up. What is your family dynamic like now? Or what is your relationship like now with your siblings?
2: Yeah, um, I'm super close with all of my siblings. I think I see at least one of them once a day. (laughs) It's amazing. Uh, My brother lives super close, so I can hang out with him. And then every time I'm at the gym, I feel like I always see at least one family member. Either it's an aunt or (laughs) my mom or my sister or brother. It's pretty cool.
0: (laughs) And I imagine as far as your family goes, it sounds like everyone's at least familiar with climbing, even if they're not all totally... 100% 100% into it, but it's it seems like you must have been kind of the shining star as far as climbing goes in your family. What was that like? Did that ever feel like pressure? Um, was there a lot of celebration around your accomplishments in climbing within your family? Or was it just like, oh yeah, Megan's into climbing, I'm into running, you know, this person's into being a flight nurse, whatever it is. What was that dynamic like?
2: Um, It's really supportive. Like, There was never any competition between us since like Tina was super focused on running. Like I'd be like, let me know if you need anything for that or support or Hmm. whatnot. And she would reciprocate that for my climbing and always be there for me, like emotionally or whatever I needed. And if I wanted to train, she'd be like, go for it. If I wanted to rest, she'd be like, do that. Like, I don't know. I always felt a good connection with them. And they're always there for me.
0: Did you have a coach growing up as a climber?
2: I did. When I was maybe 11 to maybe 14-ish, I had a coach named Kyle. He taught me, like, all the basics and whatnot. And then I got a new coach who was actually his coach named Kevin. And, like, I would train in his garage a lot of days a week. And I always had so much fun training there. <laughs>
0: What about now? Do you have any connection to any sort of coaching or, or do you stay in touch with those coaches now?
2: I still talk to them a fair amount, but with COVID, like haven't
0: mm-hmm.
2: had the opportunity to hang out with them, much.
0: Yeah. Well, I would love to talk about this shift that happened in your climbing. When I think about you, I, th- I think about this chapter when you really came on to the the bouldering scene in a big way, and a lot of people were talking about you, like, oh my gosh, you know, this is the new up-and-coming star. She's really dominant in the bouldering competition scene right now. And a few years have gone by where things have seemed pretty quiet. And in fact, when I was preparing for this conversation and just learning about you, you know, if you type your name into Google, one of the first things that popped up was a... Reddit post that was like, you know, what happened to Megan Mascarenas? Where'd she go? She was, you know, crushing and she was the next star and, and all these things. And I'd love to just hear what the last few years have looked like. Um, can you bring us up to speed on your transition away from competition climbing and what the last few years have looked like for you?
2: Uh, yeah, for sure. So... My last competition, I think, was in 2017, and then after that, I decided to retire so I could focus on school, like, applied to the university near my house and started classes there. Um, after competing for so many years, I was a little bit burnt out, so I kind of wanted to step back and take some time to, like, focus on other aspects of my life and try to figure out some like new ways to, I don't know, work out and learn new things, I guess, outside of climbing. Yeah.
0: And that's, that's so interesting. It's easy for me from the outside. And as someone who started climbing much later in my life, I started when I was 18. And, you know, it's easy for me to play this game in my head of like, ah, I wish if only I had started younger, if only I had more years under my belt and had climbed and trained during those crucial teenage years when I was full of growth hormones and all these things. Like, how great could I be? It's easy to kind of romanticize that. And it's easy to project that onto someone like you and think like, oh, she was crushing and she could have been the best. And what a bummer that she burned out. But I, I'm so curious. I mean, it makes perfect sense to me that growing up at, you know, from age two in the climbing gym and having spent already close to 20 years by the time you retired from competition climbing. Yeah. I don't know. Did, did that burning out and feeling like you needed a break, did that feel, did that feel like a, a bummer or a negative thing? Or how do you think about that?
2: Um, no, I can completely see that. Uh, it took a while to transition out of that climbing mentality. Like I always felt like there was something I was anxious about, I was like, what, what am I anxious about? What am I looking forward to or afraid of in the future? Hmm. But I was always like my next competition. And that would be like what I would occupy my worried thoughts about. And like, like, okay, we got to do this and this and this. But when that was taken away, I couldn't figure out what was quite missing in hmm. that hole.
0: <laughs> sure.
2: Um. Yeah, that's about it.
0: I was just watching, before we got on the call this morning, I was just watching a short video featuring you. I think it was a Mad Rock video and it was uh, Stacy Sutter or Suter that was speaking and she was describing you. And I think you were, you know, this is five years ago or more, um, but she was describing you and saying that, you know, Megan has always known what she wanted and how to achieve her goals. She was speaking to that focus that you had. And I imagine stepping away from competition climbing, that must have been incredibly disorienting to lose that sense of having a sheer or a clear vision of what you wanted and what you were trying to achieve.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Stacy Suter, that's my mother. Got it. <laughs> She's always been like a driving force in my climbing. And I don't know. Yeah, I mean... It was kind of like trying to re-figure out things I wanted to focus on. It was It was like both like freeing for me. Like I can do anything I want now. And mm. uh-oh, I can do anything I want now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, life without some sort of constraints or guidance is uh, pretty overwhelming. What have been some of the things that have come in and replaced that focus on competition climbing over the last few years?
2: Um, number one for me has definitely been school. That's more than enough to occupy my time.
0: <laughs> and you're a junior at the university that you're going to? Yes. What are you studying?
2: I'm studying chemistry right now. I have, um, like one more chemistry class I have to take before I can graduate. So that's been super fun.
0: And is the hope to go to medical school?
2: Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. You have a pretty deep line of uh, medical professionals in your family. And I'd love to hear how that has influenced you and what it is that you hope to do with with your own career, I guess, and, and thinking about going to medical school.
2: Yeah. Um, so watching everybody else in my family, like hearing about their jobs and they're like, it's difficult, but I'm helping people. I couldn't see my life like taking any other path I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be cool. I want to help people. And I think medical field would be a great way to do that. And it seems like it'll be here for a while as long <laughs> as people are alive.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. I don't think it's going away anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. Good job, security. Okay. What is it specifically that you would like to do? Do you know yet?
2: Um, I haven't picked a field to study yet but i was hoping just to move in that direction and see what inspires me okay or what interests me i guess and then pursue that
0: and have you had any exposure to any of that yet or is that all coming next after you finish chemistry
2: oh uh, that's all coming next
0: okay i would love to ask you more about school and specifically how you study to achieve the grades that you have achieved. I was just reading a rock and I spotlight. And I think this is from 2015. So you must've been in high school at the time. But it said that you at the time had a 4.7 GPA. And I had to read that about three times because I'm not really smart enough to understand how someone can even get a GPA that high. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I thought it topped out at 4.0. So I would love to hear First off, fact check me if that's inaccurate, but I'd love to hear if that is indeed the correct fact. And then how does one achieve a 4.7 GPA? Like what might that report card look like?
2: (laughs) Yeah, so uh, AP classes, which I was taking a lot of, they score on a 5.0 grade scale. And like normal classes would be on the 4.0. Okay. So like I had the opportunity to take Calc 1 and Calc 2 and a couple other AP classes uh, in high school, so that's why my average was above a
0: 4.0. Is that universal? I took AP classes, but I don't I don't remember that. But maybe it's just because I never got anything above a 4.0. <laughs> um, I'm
2: not quite sure.
0: Okay, I'm curious now. I'm gonna look into that.
2: <laughs> I will add though, I had all straight A's except for one class. I had an A minus.
0: Oh, Do you which... know what
2: class that was.
0: <laughs> Which class was that? Rock climbing. What?
2: <laughs> yes. I had an A- minus in rock climbing because I missed too much class, he told me. Oh,
0: my because gosh. Because I was
2: traveling to compete.
0: <laughs> wow. Wow. That is fantastic. Um, that's so funny. That reminds me a lot of a a conversation I had with Connor Hurst and I had him on the show and he missed PE class and had to make up PE class because he was free climbing the nose.
3: <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. That's so funny. A minus because you missed too much class and rock climbing. <laughs> Did that bother you? <laughs>
2: um, I was really mad when I graduated, but afterwards <laughs> it's pretty funny now.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's kind of classic. It's been really fun to kind of look at your recent posts on Instagram and see that you've come back to climbing. I would love to hear, you know, when we talked, you said that it was really kind of a three-year break and that you just more recently rediscovered your love for climbing. And I just would love to hear how did climbing come back in and what has that felt like to start climbing again and, and what does climbing look like for you now?
2: Um, I'm not quite sure what inspired me to get back into climbing. Like, I think I missed the community most mm. of all. Like all my friends are at the gym and I missed like hanging out with them and chatting and projecting. So I've been trying to get back into shape and focusing on that more now.
0: Hmm. It's funny i I mean of course, this is pretty obvious, but it's really just sinking in hearing you say that you know most of your friends were at the gym you didn't just lose this focus that you had on this thing that you loved and had these clear goals, but it must have been a sense of losing an entire identity and having to create a new one.
2: Yes, exactly. I felt like I definitely lost a chunk of myself when I stopped climbing Hmm. and like looking back at like all the memories I've had from it. And I was like, Oh, that was such an important part of my life. I do miss that.
0: you were telling me on the phone the other day that you might have avoided burning out if you had taken more rest seasons. And that was interesting to me. I'd love to hear you elaborate on that. And I'd also just be curious, you know, given what you've been through in the last few years and probably rediscovering a lot of new parts of yourself and and creating new parts of yourself. I'd love to hear how you think about that now. Like, do you wish you had done anything different to avoid burning out or yeah, I guess I'll just leave it at that. Do you wish you had avoided it or is this new path feel like the right path for you to be on?
2: Yeah. um, I think the amount of time I spent competing was the right amount of time, but I wish I would have taken the off seasons to like maybe get a fresh mindset and then, enjoy the competitions more rather than like back-to-back training Mm. i think that was not well i mean at the time it seemed like the best option so i don't regret that but hindsight's 2020
0: (laughs) it is i would love to ask you about pole dancing this is going to feel like a pretty drastic right-hand turn here but That's something that you can't miss. You know, someone follows you on Instagram and has been following you over the past few years as you've transitioned away from competition climbing. It's like, oh, there's this new thing and it's, whoa, really cool. And she seems to be really into it. I would love to hear how pole dancing came into your life.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So um, a couple years ago when I was like, I felt like I had gotten out of shape and I was unmotivated to like work out. I didn't want to get back into climbing yet because I was still not super psyched on it. So I went to Google and I typed in like, what are some sports that build upper body strength? <laughs> <laughs> and like scrolled through a bunch of lists of like swimming, running, climbing, like boxing, dancing. And then I stumbled upon one that said pole fitness. Huh. Pull and I was fitness. like, hmm, that could be fun. So then I Googled some or YouTube some videos of like pole dancing competitions, and like watching these women like just so graceful and strong, and their stabilization muscles were like out of this world. No, like gravity did not affect them whatsoever. And I was like, all right, that's my next sport. <laughs> so I ordered a pole off Amazon, and then just like started dancing, watching different Instagram videos and be like, oh, that trick looks fun. I'll try that. And I just fell in love with it.
0: And can you describe how one gets started with that? I mean, you order a pole. I imagine, I, I think I've seen a video of this. So you have a pole in your room now that's attached to the floor and the ceiling. Yes. And then where do you start? I mean, are you like seeing sequences or watching videos that break down individual moves are you projecting different sequences or pole dancing moves
2: (laughs) yes exactly i would just like (laughs) watch a video and be like try to imitate okay whatever whatever they did and then like see a cool trick and be like all right that's my goal i want to do that by the end of the month Mm. let's try to work up like the strength or the flexibility to get to that point
0: and what is that process like? I mean, is this just intuitive? Or are you just kind of figuring it out as you go by feel? Or are you following any sort of, you know, training plans or recommendations as, as far as learning the steps of a new move?
2: Uh, nope. It's just all like kind of free form for me. Okay. I just like watch the video and try it and record a video of myself to like see if I'm doing the move correctly and like trying to practice on the ground or Kind of the same way you would do for uh, if you're projecting a climb, Mm. like start in the middle, try a middle section, see how to get to that point. Yeah, (laughs) it's fun. I enjoy like starting over Mm. with something I'm like, I have no experience in because like I'll try something and like fall onto the crash pads and like, all right, that didn't go as planned. Try again, try again, try again. There's a lot of room for progression.
0: (laughs) So that's interesting. So as a climber, you obviously had all these crash pads already to put in your room, you know, on the floor below your pole. What do pole fitness enthusiasts do? Do they buy crash pads?
2: (laughs) Um, I think you can buy a pole mat, but mostly you just fall on the hardwood floor. (laughs) Good incentive not to fall.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to be the uh you know the the person walking by going on a hike near the bouldering area asking what the square pads are on your back and do you ever fall um you know us climbers roll our eyes and we're like yeah we fall literally hundreds of times every single day <laughs> um do you fall a lot when you're practicing pull?
2: Yes. <laughs> I feel like it's like the same amount of sends to falls <laughs> I have in climbing. <laughs>
0: Do you ever wish you'd fallen in love with a sport with a higher success rate? (laughs) Uh, With pole? With with pole and climbing.
2: Oh yeah, that would be, I don't know. They're both so different, but so similar. (laughs) It's fun.
0: Well, it is very cool to watch. I will be sure to, if you're open to it, I would love to repost some of your short Instagram clips of you. What do I call it? Do I call it pole dancing? Yeah, that's what I call it. Yeah. I would love to uh, share some videos for people in uh, on Instagram of you pole dancing. It's really neat to see what you're up to with that. Perfect. And I'd love to hear, as you've started climbing again, you know, you were talking about going on YouTube and seeing pole fitness for the first time and seeing these women and the grace and the strength that they had. and the I think you just said their stabilization muscles or strength was off the charts. What has that felt like bringing that back into climbing? Have you noticed a, a difference with that?
2: Uh, absolutely. When I, so well, I tried to get back into climbing a couple of years ago, and I was climbing like V five. I felt like I couldn't do a pull up. I was just like struggling, and I was like, "I'm not, I'm not getting back into climbing until I climb V eight again." And people would always look at me like how are you going to do that? I was like, watch this. (laughs) So then I picked a pole and it brought me back up to like V8 now or V9. Maybe.
0: That's so so interesting. Yeah. That's a really interesting sentence. I'm not going to get back into climbing until I climb harder than I do now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's so cool. Do pole pull moves or sequences? Do they have names? Yes. What are you projecting right now?
2: Oh, geez. I don't know what it's called. But it's like if you imagine doing a forward split and then reaching back and grabbing your back foot and then being upside down (laughs) and then hanging off like your armpit while you're in that position. Yeah.
0: Okay. (laughs) I can certainly try to imagine that. (laughs) I imagine it looking really incredible and inspiring and beautiful if you can do it and I imagine it uh tearing me apart but very cool okay so forward split grabbing your back foot holding the pole between your arm and your lat basically yeah okay (laughs) I'll reach out to you I'd love to get a clip or a photo or video of someone doing the thing that you're projecting right now I think that'd be really fun to share for people yeah, perfect. so it's funny you you just said that you're struggling with climbing coming back into it feeling like you were climbing v5 and wanting to feel stronger than that before you came back and when we were talking on the phone you said that i was asking you kind of like what climbing looks like for you now and what you hope to do with it and if you have any goals and aspirations to go back to compete you know competitions or or anything like that and I think you said something similar. You said your plan is to climb and train for a year so that you can then go back out to Rocky Mountain National Park and work on some some projects there. So I'd love to hear what those goals look like for you now and how you're thinking about this year of just climbing and training to kind of get back up to the level that you want to be at.
2: Yeah, so uh, my goal is to be a to like maybe V12 by Alpine season, because I would like to like go on maybe a classics tour of like the harder routes of Rocky Mountain and try some new climbs. Maybe find some harder projects, like kind of just set the groundwork for them and be like, all right, this is what I want to train for. It's kind of my goal for uh, this
0: year. Okay. And how are you going about that? What does your schedule look like with climbing now? And what does your training look like these days?
2: Um, I'm back at the gym maybe like five days a week. Training for two hours. I've introduced campus board back into my training, which I've never really done before because I want finger strength, I guess. Okay. And just focusing on core and shoulders
0: five days a week, I think you had told me that you go, you typically go like three on, one off, two on, one off.
3: Yeah.
0: How do you think about structuring your week? Do you do similar things on each of those days or do you have, uh, you know, specific training activities or exercises that you target on each days? How do you think about that?
2: I don't have any structure right now. I kind of just go and do whatever my body tells me to do. It's like, all right, we're not feeling powerful. Like, okay, we'll do endurance. Or like, I feel strong and psyched and competitive. I'm like, okay, on-site day.
0: Mm. And are you practicing pole fitness on top of that? Yes. And what does your schedule look like with pole?
2: Uh, maybe just an hour every day or so. Okay. Or every other day. Just listen to some music and work on some tricks.
0: How physical is that? Are you tired after an hour of pole?
2: Uh, it's very dependent on what I do. Like a lot of there's a lot of leg hangs. They're not too upper body intensive, so those I'm fine with. But if I'm like doing like kind of like human flag type stuff, then my shoulders are pretty tired the next day.
0: What was the what was the thing you said? Any what type of stuff?
2: Like human flag, human upper flag, upper body. Okay. Yeah.
0: Got you. I'd love to hear like what are some of the things that you've noticed change in your own climbing, bringing this new strength and you know strength of your stabilizers from pole like what are some of the things you feel that have changed in your climbing from doing that
2: one random thing is I think it helped uh, my barn door strength huh like every time I'm in an invert just hanging off my arms like your body tends to tip in one direction and you have to fight it back to stay vertical yeah or whatnot so like it's the same thing when you're door in opposition for that
0: okay (laughs) i want to ask about a specific outdoor goal that you had i was kind of digging into that with you and you mentioned jade which is a notoriously crimpy v14 up in rocky mountain on the green 45 and I'd love to hear what do you think you need to work on to approach that goal or to make that goal a reality? Like, do you have a sense of the biggest areas that you need to work on to potentially climb Jade?
2: Yeah, uh, definitely crimp strength. Uh, I think I need to get my fingers and tendons a little bit stronger before I start working on that one. And it seems pretty endurance so should hmm. probably get my endurance past 5 moves right
0: now. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> and how do you think about outdoor climbing with that? I mean, is as you get closer to that and feeling like you're approaching that level is outdoor bouldering part of how you think about training and preparation or do you feel like it's a separate thing? How do you think about that?
2: They're definitely very separate in my mind for me. I feel like I have a different mentality when I'm on real rock versus like messing around at the gym like uh outdoor climbing has so much more freedom Mm. there is no hold that's off i can put my toe on it or smear on it or whatnot like it's mine so i always forget that like oh i'm not looking for the tagged holes i'm looking for how i get to the top.
0: Does that take time to make that shift when you have been in the gym all winter, let's say, and you start going outside again? Or uh, actually, I should ask, are you outdoor climbing now? Are you mixing that into your schedule at all?
2: Well, uh, yeah. I've been getting outside a fair amount with some friends. Oh, okay. Nothing new, just like some old old areas I used to climb at a lot, I'm trying to see where I'm at mm. on those climbs.
0: And where are you at? How, does, how has that been feeling?
2: Um, surprisingly good. Awesome. I feel strong on some of the old climbs I that took me years to get.
0: <laughs> I have a few questions for you about indoor climbing and specifically competition climbing, things like that. I would love to ask, what advice would you give to a young climber who is driven and determined to get better? Does anything come to the top of that list for you
2: my number one piece of advice would just be to climb like i think there's no better training for climbing than just like volume like just climb try have fun project try to think in new ways Hmm. so yeah just get out there try have fun find something that motivates you it's okay if you're not motivated like go with the fluctuations Hmm.
0: that's a cool message I'm curious what your uh what your split looks like these days. So you climb 5 days a week. What percentage of that time would you say is just climbing as opposed to more um, you know, structured training like campusing or hangboarding or rings or core or anything else?
2: Probably 90% climbing to oh, 10% wow. strength.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That's good context to hear. 90%? Yeah. Wow. Is there any advice that young climbers should ignore? Maybe popular advice in the mainstream or media that you find counterproductive?
2: I've seen a lot of videos recently of like young climbers, like doing weighted campus boarding or hangboarding. And I think it looks cool in a video, but I think it sends young climbers the wrong message that like, this is the approach. And if you're not pushing this hard, you're not trying and i think that's just a fantastic way to get injured and burnt out Mm. so i would say like if you do watch those videos like be like oh yeah that's pretty cool but that's not not the right idea
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah is there anything that you wish you had known as a teenager that you know now or any advice that you would go back and give to yourself or anything you wish you had been told at that age
2: I guess for traveling for competition, I kind of wish I would have taken the opportunity to talk to like the climbers of other countries more. I was so intimidated by them. Hmm. I think I missed out like building friendships and learning about new cultures and the way they train.
0: That's a cool answer. Is there any place in particular that you would be most excited to go back to and spend more time? You know, once the world is vaccinated and we can actually travel again.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'd like to go back out to Magic Wood again.
0: Yeah, cool. I've never been. That is a dream location for me, for sure. Yes. Any specific climbs or projects there?
2: Um my old enemy is New Baseline. Ah. Like I don't even know if I want to try it again because <sighs> I was just like devastated when i fell
0: off my finger was
2: bleeding i was like oh that would have been the send
0: oh no (laughs) i don't i didn't know about this so new baseline for people listening is a v14 and i I think from what i've heard a pretty hard one uh is that yeah in magic wood um tell me about that it sounds like you got really really close
2: yeah i had all the beta down i had it in two parts and like on the send go my I just like busted open and I was like just dripping blood oh. like couldn't, couldn't get it to stop I was like alright well this is the end of my career <laughs> jokingly <me>, but
0: <laughs> when was that
2: that was after oh was that 2016 maybe I think yeah
0: okay <laughs> those ones are hard I have a couple I have a couple like that myself, <laughs> things that I still very much want to get done, but may or may not ever go back to <laughs> Yeah. for similar reasons. Any others in Magic Wood? Any dream climbs or inspirational projects or anything?
2: Uh, nothing specific. There's just so many cool classic lines there. Mm. I would like to spend some time messing around on.
0: So this is back to competition climbing in particular. I've got some uh, listener questions for you. And this okay. question is from Jimmy. Jimmy wants to know, with regards to competition climbing and finals, do you have any tips for calming nerves before climbing and while you're sitting in the chair between climbs?
2: Oh, yeah. Um, for me, I just like to close my eyes and, like, focus on my own breath. And, like, every time my mind, like, shifts to another thought, I was like, nope, We're focusing on breathing right now.
3: Hmm.
2: And I feel like that helped me a lot. And then just, like, pick something to say to yourself and repeatedly becomes pretty comforting, I think. That helped me out a lot.
0: Would you be willing to share an example of that?
2: Yeah, I would tell myself, okay, breathe, you're okay. Like, you can do this if you want it. Hmm. Try hard. And then I would just repeat that over and over and over and over again until <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, I can do it. And then I'd feel like so much relief from that. Like, all right, now we can focus.
0: Do you bring that same sort of approach to your outdoor projects?
2: Uh, yeah, I do the, like when I'm on the route in like a finals or whatnot, I tell myself like, focus, 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 focus. I think like, what I always repeat to myself, focus, try hard, focus, try hard. And I try to do that same for uh, like outdoor projects.
0: Focus, try hard. That's a good sticker right there. Do you have any quirky habits or other rituals that you do on a competition day or that you would do on a competition day?
2: (laughs) I have a couple small ones. Like right before I climb, I always have to put my right shoe on first. And then okay. my left shoe.
0: <laughs> I like it. Uh,
2: I have a lucky climbing charm I always have done to my uh, chalk bag. Like a okay. little hole that one of my friends made me.
0: A little hold. Yeah. Okay.
2: And then my last weird one is um, every time I use a block of chalk, or like if it's a bag of chalk, I'll cut out a square. But I always leave that wrapper in my uh, chalk bag. Okay. Otherwise I feel like it's bad luck if I throw it away until I use the whole block of chalk.
0: <laughs> Interesting. And this is like in a bouldering bag where you have more room.
2: Oh, uh, I do it for the like the little strap-on ones too.
0: You do. <laughs> that yeah, seems like it'd it always be really annoys my friends. What's that?
2: It always annoys my friends. They're like, "Why do you have so much trash in your chalk bag?" I'm like, yeah. "Don't throw that away. I need that."
0: <laughs> yeah, that seems like it'd be really annoying in a sport climbing bag. That's really funny. maybe I'll try it. Um, What about when you're getting shut down by a boulder problem in a comp, you know, you've got that five minute timer and I imagine it's incredibly stressful when you're not solving the problem or getting shut down by a move. Is there anything that you say to yourself in that moment?
2: Um, I try to go back to that same like relaxation technique I would use. Like, just close my eyes, like, start breathing, like, all right, come on, work it out, you can do it. Hmm. Like, are we not seeing something? Do we need to try harder? Should I change my beta? Like, I spend a good chunk of the comp just talking to myself, I guess. Sounds like, (laughs) but that helps me out a lot.
0: Yeah, I'm sure most people do. It sounds like the theme is just returning to focus and... Calm. Yes. I've got a few questions from Jeffrey. He is curious, what do you think made you so dominant as a female boulderer at a young age? And he was curious if it was mental or your strength or your technique. But yeah, I'd love to hear what do you think it was that allowed you to be so dominant when you were competition climbing?
2: Hmm. definitely think it went back to like my background in climbing like being so young at the gym of like where almost everybody was like a 25 year old male who was just like (laughs) climbing super strong and like i just assumed that was the like standard average climber so i was like all right well i would like to at least be average so i like worked really hard to like get to that level and then once i finally entered competition like competing against people My own age, my own size, my own gender. I was like, "Oh, no!" The average is somewhere else. Like, (laughs) I think that drive, like, definitely pushed me to be a better climber. Hmm.
0: I'd be curious to ask how that drive shifted as you established yourself as a a competitor, and you know, kind of this up and coming star. What did you focus on as far as continuing to try to improve in in that drive once you got a better sense of who your competition was and kind of how you stacked up.
2: Yeah. I tried not to change anything. I would just like climb with all of my friends at the gym and be like, I was very lucky to have a bunch of strong people at my gym. Like they would definitely push me and like, I wouldn't compete against them in a bad way, but it was like, kind of like a fun, like I'll push you, you push me type of way. And then I wouldn't think much about my climbing competition. I would just go and be like, all right, I like competition. So here I am.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And how did that change over time? You know, you and I had a conversation about burning out and about expectations. Can you speak to how that changed and how expectations started to play into it as you started having more success in your competition climbing?
2: Oh, yeah. When I started out, like, I felt like there was no expectations of me. And, like, anything was always better than where I was. Like, I was like, oh, it would be cool to make it to nationals. It'd be cool to qualify for a World Cup. It'd be cool to make semifinals or finals or whatever. And then, like, once I did start competing and started, like, placing well, then that almost seemed like that was the expectation of me. Hmm. So there's not much room for improvement after like people are like, okay, Megan will probably make podium or something. So then like that started to wear me down a little bit because I don't know, stressful.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sounds stressful. And I imagine it starts to feel like you have nothing to gain and only everything to lose.
2: Yeah. It's kind of crazy. <clears throat>
0: This is another question from Jeffrey. He wants to know, and we've already spoken to this, but I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, especially the second half of this question. But he asks, how do you view climbing versus training? And has that changed as you have gotten older?
2: I think I used to focus more on the training aspect, like towards the middle of my career. But now that I'm older, I'm more psyched on just climbing if you have a specific goal in mind, I think training's good. Otherwise, I would just focus on climbing.
0: Okay. I'm curious, you know, talking about the advice that you would give to teenagers and where you're at now as far as the 90% climbing to 10% training. What do you think that ratio looked like when you were at that period that you were just describing where you were more more focused on training and had clear goals?
2: Um It's probably more so like 60-40, maybe. Unless you include like other random things like running and whatnot. But I don't really consider that for climbing. That was more so just like overall cardio. But yeah.
0: Okay. What about like, uh, one thing, this is kind of a tangent, but I'm curious about board climbing. And, you know, these are newer tools, at least as far as um, how widely they're being used in the States. But what about like moonboard, tension board, or grasshopper wall, any of these new modern tools that are kind of both climbing and training? You could kind of choose to look at them either way. Did those fit in for you at all?
2: I've spent almost no time on any of the boards. Okay. But I think for people who like don't have access to a lot of hard climbs at their gym, maybe, I think those would be a great tool. For them, as long as they're careful, I think you're very stressful on your fingers.
0: So Mm -hmm.
2: I would caution that.
0: Okay. It's interesting. I feel like there's two schools of thought where, you know, in my experience, um, the boards seem to translate better to outdoor climbing because I find most of the outdoor climbing I do to, to be more similar. Like they really, a lot of outdoor boulders really do tax the fingers and have that kind of more you know, simple, difficult movement of keeping tension on a little foothold and fingery holds and things like that. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Like, do you feel like the, the variety in a commercial gym these days with the way that the trends have changed towards more, you know, jumping and parkour type movements and interesting slabs and big volume holds and things like that? Do you feel like that variety has been helpful for you? And, And do you feel like all of that translates to outdoor climbing? How do you think about all that?
2: Uh, I would definitely agree with the the board climbing translates better to outdoor climbing. I think all the parkour moves are great training for that style of climbing. But yeah, I think uh, climbing on a bunch of slopers and jumping moves has almost no application to outdoor stuff.
0: (laughs) How does it fit in for you now? Do you still do that kind of stuff?
2: I do it for fun. Okay. Like maybe spend about five or 10 minutes a day that I'm training, working on that style of movement. I'm like, okay, that was enough of that. (laughs) Like, like, offs and crimps.
0: Nice. (laughs) Do you have a specific type of hold or angle type of boulder problem that you feel like you could benefit the most from spending more time on? Like a specific weakness area or anything that you're focusing more on in the gym?
2: Uh, yes. Dead points to crimps on like a slight overhang. Okay. That's the type of movement I want to get better at.
0: How do you think about approaching that when you go into a commercial gym? Are you just seeking out boulders that re- route setters have set with those movements? Or do you use, do you make up any moves? Do you use a spray wall? Anything like that?
2: Yeah. I spend most of my time making up my own climbs.
0: Oh, interesting. That
2: I can target. Like, what I want to work on.
0: That's interesting. I don't think that most people do that.
2: Yeah. I think there's two fun strategies. You could, like, try to plan something out to focus on a type of movement. Or I'll just, like, look at a wall and be like, all right, these three holds, use those, get to the top. (laughs) And then, like, work through the beta. Like, I have no clue how to use these holds, but... We'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> how often does that work out? I mean, like, how often do, does the boulder problem go versus just being totally impossible or just way too hard?
2: Uh, I have a good success rate with that. Sometimes yeah. I'll have to, like, add an extra foothold or something to make it work. But those end up being kind of funky routes. And I think I learn a lot from them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. It makes me curious to try that. Okay. I want to get into some kind of quicker and just fun questions for you. And then uh, maybe some more thoughtful stuff. We can can wrap up with that towards the end. But I know that you are a fan of puns. (laughs) Do you have any favorite puns (laughs) you'd be willing to share?
2: I think my favorite pun in the whole wide world is (laughs) I bought shoes from a drug dealer. I don't know what he laced them with, but I've been tripping all day.
0: (laughs) That's a really good pun. I'm not especially a fan of puns, and most of the time I find them disappointing, but that one delivered. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's really funny. I'm glad I asked that. Okay, imagine you are hosting the perfect dinner party. And you could invite anyone who has ever lived, and it doesn't have to be a climber, but it definitely could be a climber. Who is the first person that comes to mind? Who would you ask uh
2: Niels Bohr, the famous scientist
0: okay can you uh Can you let me know a little bit more about who he is? What did he do uh I'll link to his Wikipedia page for people. <laughs>
2: he contributed a lot to our knowledge of like physics and chemistry. And there's like a rumor that nobody's ever met this man who didn't like him. Oh, wow. And that's a great
0: quality. That's a great thing to have said about you.
2: Yeah. I heard some story about like during the Nazi times, he like took a bunch of um, Nobel prizes from the Jewish scientists and melted them down and hid it in a, like chemistry laboratory until the war passed. And then he retook the metals, melted them down, printed out the correct emblems again and gave them back to the scientists. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like doing like secret spy work.
0: Too. So <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. What would yeah. you want to talk to him about or ask him about?
2: Oh, I have no clue. Just anything he'd be willing to talk about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, if you were to be found driving in a car by yourself and singing at the top of your lungs, what artist or song would you be most likely to be listening to?
2: I'm super psyched on Glass Animals right now. Probably just like any one of their songs.
0: (laughs) Nice, Glass Animals, okay. Do you have a favorite album?
2: I forgot, the one that has gooey... Okay. In it as one of the songs.
0: Okay. I'll find that and I'll link to it in the show notes. (laughs) Okay. Imagine your, do you live in a house? Yes. Okay. Imagine your house catches fire and everyone's fine. No one's home, your family and your dog, everyone gets out safely. If you could only save one physical object, what would it be?
2: Uh. Probably the golden axe that was the trophy from the Vale World Cup. Okay. It's like my favorite object in my room.
0: <laughs> Can you send me a photo of it after we get off here? Yeah. Perfect. I'd love to share that. The golden axe. Uh, what competition was that from? That was from Vale. Yeah,
2: 2015. 2015.
0: Okay. <laughs> Very cool. This is probably a tough one. Can you describe one of the happiest moments in your life as a climber?
2: Um, yes, I have an exact one. I was driving out to some climbing area. I forget where, but I was with my sister and her fiance and their dog. And I was just like so psyched on climbing that day. And like they were playing great music. I don't even know what the song was, but I was just like sitting there and I couldn't stop smiling because I was just like so happy to. Like, oh, I'm going outside climbing. This is an oddly great day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. What about an especially hard or difficult moment in your climbing? Would you be willing to share, can you think of and and would you be willing to share an an especially difficult moment in your climbing life, maybe from a competition or something else? Um
2: not particularly. I mean, I always had the ups and downs of, like, being super psyched on competing and then, like, super low. It was like, I don't want to climb. I don't even like this sport. I'm not <laughs> good enough. I'll never be good enough. And, like, trying to overcome those, like, negative thoughts that were always in my head.
0: Hmm. You've talked about the support network that you have and how much support you got from your family What would you do if you were struggling with all those thoughts that you just mentioned? Who would you reach out to in your family? And, and, you know, what would you, what would you do in that situation?
2: Um, I typically call my older sister Tina and she would just like listen to me rant and like, no judgment, no, like she wouldn't offer me suggestions. She was like, I hear you. I understand you. I'm here for whatever you need. Like, Hmm. And I think just having somebody to talk to was always, always helped me out a lot. Hmm.
0: Where's Tina now?
2: Uh, She's also in the Springs. Nice. I see her at the gym a couple nights a week. We just (laughs) hang out and drink coffee. It's fun.
0: Amazing. Okay. If you were to make a new best friend, what is something important that you would want them to know about you?
2: I'm mildly awkward in person, not the greatest conversationalist. So like, just talk at me and I'd love to listen to you. (laughs) Even if I don't look amused, I'm really enjoying like having somebody talk to me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's really interesting. Okay. (laughs) You're like me. I would much rather be asking the questions and and listening than talking at people. (laughs) Yeah, which is why I really appreciate you doing this. This is really fun. That's yeah, okay. been a blast. <laughs> I've got a few more questions. Um, if you were stuck on a desert island with a DVD player and somehow you have electricity and a TV <laughs> and only one DVD, what movie would you choose and why?
2: Um, hands down, The Incredibles.
0: <laughs> yes. good answer that's one of my favorites it's such a fun movie
2: yeah I could watch that all day
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay if you could be an incredible what superpowers would you have sky's the limit you don't have to pick ones from the movie
2: oh hmm I guess maybe read minds
0: oh scandalous I never
2: know what people are thinking
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Does it feel hard to read people? Yeah. Yeah. People are very complex. Read minds. Okay. What would your outfit or costume be?
2: Um, Any color Definitely scheme? gray and teal.
0: Gray and teal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So, circling all the way back to your Instagram and looking at your story highlights. One of the other things that made the cut is something related to chemistry. So this is going to be a geeky chemistry question. If you could be a molecule, any molecule, what would you be?
2: Um, Probably benzoic acid. I really <laughs> like the shape of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can you describe it for people?
2: Um, It's like a six-carbon ring. With uh, one carbon coming off of it and then like an oxygen, two <laughs> oxygens coming off that carbon with a hydrogen attached to one of the oxygens.
0: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I will find benzoic, you said benzoic acid, is that right? Yeah. I'll find benzoic acid and I will link to that molecule in the show notes. Okay, a few more, more thoughtful questions here. And this is one that I ask everybody, what is something that you've been feeling especially grateful for lately?
2: Um, I don't know. It's still just be my family and my dog. I feel <laughs> like she's brought a lot of joy back to my life after my dad died last year. Hmm. I was like definitely missing her. So having a puppy that requires a lot of attention <laughs> has been a good distraction for me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Perfect. And what is something that you feel most excited to learn about right now?
2: Um, I've been trying to learn some more math. I mm-hmm. feel like it's a fun way to think. So I've been kind of reading some books on that. A lot of my friends are mathematicians, so like pick their brains and try to learn some new things from them.
0: <laughs> that is fantastic. So it sounds like this is, this is outside of the requirements of school. This is yeah. just because you're curious about it. Mm-hmm. I love it. What are you, what are you learning about right now? As far as math goes,
2: I'm trying to learn more about like linear algebra and group theory. Okay. Are my two main focuses.
0: <laughs> and is this so that you can have conversations with these, these friends about these things or just pure curiosity?
2: Uh, mostly just pure curiosity.
0: <laughs> I love it. Cool. And this is a similar question, um, but it is a little bit different. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. It, maybe this is more of like a a hobby thing or a activity. What is something that you would like to spend more time doing in the future?
2: Definitely more time outside and like traveling for fun. Okay. Like not even for climbing or anything, just like to go see some new sites and meet some new people.
0: Yeah. So as far as climbing goes, you talked about Magic Wood. If you were going on a vacation or trip outside of climbing, where would you like to go?
2: I'd like to see some more national monuments. Okay. Maybe in Utah or places like that. fun. Anything?
0: Anything at the top of the list? Specific ones?
2: Is it Zion National Park? Yeah. That place. That looks awesome.
0: Yeah, Zion is, I've spent a little time there. Zion is, is very cool. It's like outdoor Disneyland, (laughs) pretty magical spot. Where can people find you these days, Megan? Where do you exist on the internet? Obviously you've got your Instagram and I will link to that in the show notes. Is there anywhere else that people can reach you or see what you're up to?
2: No, just Instagram. That's the main one. Yeah, haven't branched out to any other platforms.
0: Okay. I will link to that in the show notes. And my final question, if you could get your audience or this audience, the listeners, to internalize one message, what would it be? What's something that you'd like to leave people with?
2: I guess from my experience with climbing and uh, whatnot, is that it doesn't really matter what path you choose. I just think, like, you got to enjoy every step of it. Hmm. Otherwise, the destination isn't worth it.
0: Awesome. Excellent message to leave people with. Well, Megan, this has been incredibly fun. I really appreciate your time. And we got through a ton of questions. That was, that was everything on my list. And, again, really cool to to hear about all the different things that you are up to these days and the way that you've kind of reshaped yourself and leaned into these new interests and I'm excited to see what is next for you whether it's what direction you choose to go in medicine or you know where you choose to take your climbing if you if you do continue to find joy in that or where you take pole fitness or pole dancing Um, Yeah, really fun to connect and hear what you're up to. Thanks so much for your time.
2: Yeah, thank you, too.
0: All right. What's in store for the rest of the day?
2: Oh, my gosh. I have so much homework.
0: (laughs) I guess I better let you get to it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you. I really appreciate this.
0: Yeah, it's my pleasure. Really fun talking to you. All right. All right. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, you too. Okay. Bye. Bye.
2: Move
1: with the shake it up. Stop when the clock hits 13. You've been working, but you're blurting with the weekend. You can freak out. One a million. You're a jump shine when the light.